Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Titans of Customer Engagement podcast. Your host today is myself, Anna Lazarski. I lead our customer experience organization at Chorus. We've got another great episode lined up for you today on the topic of change management. A lot of the organizations that Chorus, as a software company, works with are inevitably trying to improve things, be that their processes, perhaps they're driving efficiencies, or trying to deliver better outcomes for their customers. And so for anyone implementing new software, perhaps they're launching a community, or heck, even redesigning a community, change is inevitable. We are really lucky in that we have a change management expert here at Chorus, Ramona, and we wanted to take some time with her to pick her brains, trying to figure out, you know, what is change management? How can we apply change management principles to ourselves or our teams or our organizations at large and take some tips on how we can better approach change as individuals? Without further ado, let me introduce my colleague, Ramona. Hello. Ramona, tell us a little bit about your story. What does your professional journey look like? Sure. Um, so I did not start off in change management. I, um, uh, if you look back at my overall history, I've, I've always been in kind of the service industry. And then I went, when I stopped being in restaurants and, and bars, I went into uh, a customer service realm. So, you know, working in contact centers and uh, and being providing customer service. Uh, from there, I, I went into back office um, jobs that helped me understand how could I help things work better and more smoothly. And I explored leadership and uh, project management and business analysis. And then finally, one day I learned about change management and I thought, aha, this is what I am looking for. Help the people adopt the change. That's what I want. And I have not looked back since. I've been doing this for about uh, eight years. Love it. I've certainly found the projects that I work on with you run very smoothly. You are very organized, very prepared. So I'm super excited to get some more insight into what goes on in your brain as as these as changes are ongoing so ramona treat me like a complete beginner let's start from the basics what is change management what is the definition that that you would think of when tasked with explaining change management that is a really great question because the the phrase change management means a lot of things to a lot of different people um, so I, I, I think that when you hear in your uh, in any setting um, what uh, you know let's let's apply change management it's important to ask well what do you mean by that for me I'm referring to the organizational change management it has to do with um, um, the people side of the change I love um, uh, an analogy of uh, building a boat so you have you, you you're going to build this boat you need it constructed. Um, and then you're going to need to get people on it to sail it somewhere. So it takes all different people with all kinds of different skills to make all of those things happen. And it's not over when the people get on the boat and leave the harbor. You got to make sure that people know how they're going to continue to be successful sailing that boat on its long journey. So for me, change management is that part that helps the people get on the boat 
know where they're going to sit, understand how to row in direction with each other, know who is uh, in, responsible for navigating, um, steering, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's where I see the change management is if you're trying to have a successful outcome and in order for you to be successful, you need a person to do something different. That's an excellent opportunity for change management. That's a great analogy. And I think that explains quite nicely, I suppose, the breadth of this discipline in the sense that it can be small changes or, or to your point, a very large project, a build that is that is being undertaken. And so that brings me on to, I suppose, why or what have you seen within your career that has meant change management has become a specialized discipline? Why do you think it is so specialized? Um, well, because there are so many nuances to it. Um, there are some essential truths about human nature, and that is fine, but uh, understanding how much of the change management tactics to apply at any given time means that you need to be well-versed enough with how the framework works, the situations that you're in, and um, uh, and how to dial up and dial down a variety of activities. Because each time you're given a slightly different um, project to work on, but you're you're not going to bust out your entire tool belt. You want to use the ones that are right for, for that. So it's specialized. It's that specialized uh, for, for that reason. It's complex and nuanced. Got you. We're going to focus mostly on change management from a professional perspective. So how that works within brands and organizations and teams within this episode. But I am curious about using the discipline in a personal capacity. Is that something that you've seen or you've applied to yourself or that you you would recommend at all? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, The... um story that I always go to, and it's it's not my own, it's one that a, a practitioner was learning. And, and as she was learning, she would apply new concepts to her own experience as a mother of four. She was like, there's nothing but change happening in my life. I can practice what I learn every day. Um, and uh, one of the concepts that we were talking about with change management is how uh, the person who's delivering a message about change matters to the receivers. So this concept of senders and receivers. People need to hear um, what is the big goal from somebody who's higher up in the ranks, kind of lofty, seen as you know the, the highest leader, or what's going to be different about my everyday life needs to come from someone closer to them, someone either a peer or their supervisor or their daily manager who's involved in you know, teeny aspects of their tactical aspects of their everyday life. So, uh, my, my friend, my coworker, um, was uh, decided that this one problem that had been really frustrating her was that her uh, daughter, her I want to say she was maybe eight or nine at the time, uh, was n- would not hang up her wet towels after getting out of the shower, even though they had just had the bathroom floors redone and it was some beautiful flooring that they didn't want the kids to mess up. Um, and uh, uh, Audrey would not, she just would not hang up the towels, no matter how much mom and dad begged, pleaded, bribed, threatened, cajoled, all of the tricks. Finally, when Rebecca heard this concept of, of preferred senders, she realized, oh my goodness, 
it's not a strategic direction that I'm giving Rebecca. I'm not, I mean, that I'm giving uh, uh, Audrey. I am, uh, I'm not giving her the North Star for her life to be a good person here. That's what she needs from me. She needs to hear this from someone else. Hey, big brother, will you go talk to her, talk to your little sister and, and show her how cool it is and how awesome it is and how easy it is and all the benefits of doing this? And it worked a charm. So, so there you go. It can absolutely be applied in a personal situation. That resonates with me very much so. As a, a kid who had an older brother, I would do anything my older brother would tell me, but I would do anything. nothing that my parents would. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and it's yep. funny, I feel like you've, you've alluded to the element of kind of sociology and psychology that also comes within change management. And I'd love to understand a little bit more about why you think change management is is so critical to businesses from your experience well businesses are made up of people you know even if it's a, a single owned business it's that person is is involved um and um to to make the changes to help the company achieve its goals you must bring those people along and ask them to do something different. So, so if you want your change adopted and used, you you need to um, uh, consider uh, application of change management to your strategic projects at a minimum. But uh, even in your your day to day projects, it can provide a smoother um, launching pad for all of the things you'd like your business to do. If you can apply change management, it really helps your employees understand what the shift is what they're from in two states, uh, uh, what their from state was, what their two state would be, what does it look like for them to be successful when they get there, and investing this kind of time up, much like with project management, where you think about the project ahead of time and it helps things go smoother and you can adjust the plan along the way, but you invest a lot of time planning and initiating and imagining and setting goals and so forth up front. With change management, you do the same, but your goal is to help people understand what it is that they need to do differently to make the change successful. And it, when you do that, you can um, absolutely increase the speed of adoption, um, the ultimate utilization of whatever the change is, especially important in a software implementation situation. Um, and, and your users will have higher proficiency. Um, you can think of project management as on scope or in scope, on time and on budget, uh, where change management, you're looking for the outputs of embrace, adopt and use. Love it. And I'm curious a little bit more to kind of dig in. I suppose, how do you find or how does an individual or an organization find, I suppose, the courage to go ahead with a change when they know that this is going to sting? It might be bumpy. Things are already a little stretched or a little bit difficult. Have there been any occasions where you've seen organizations embrace that kind of courage or that journey um, in a in a compelling way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, especially in our um, current times and back in 2008 when we had, you know, financial difficulties, um, the um, there were lots of difficult messages to deliver. Um, people had to focus on money and efficiencies in a way that um, the employees often felt the brunt of, either in the form of um, more risk, more um, focus on their productivity, um, or uh, even you know layoffs and and so forth. 
the um, none of those are great messages to deliver. They're not going to excite a lot of people, and they're not going to excite the people who have to deliver them. So applying change management in those tough circumstances gives you the opportunity to think through um, all of the ways that it could go well and what you'd like to maximize, all of the ways that it could go poorly, and how would you like to prepare for them? I read a statistic that said anything that's a surprise is 25% more intense. So if it's a good surprise, it's 25% more percent intense. But if it's a bad surprise, that's even worse, right? So, so we know people are going to have reactions and feelings. We know not every change is going to be embraced with open arms. And we know that there's difficulty. So this is uh, something we can do to help ourselves not be surprised with by it on top of an already difficult situation. Furthermore, find people like in a business setting that have the same goals. Find departments that align with you. Build a coalition internally. Find your community. Other, other people within the business have skin in the game and, and you can help them uh, and help yourself by uh, tackling some of the insurmountable problems together because then you have community and culture um, importantly, is that that sense of how we do things around here, and when you're demonstrating good culture, you'll you'll bring other people along more readily, even when it's a little bit bumpy. Yeah, these are really important observations. As you were talking, I was thinking about my own experience as well around the economic experience in 2008, and even of late, there are echoes yes. of that and. You know, the, these conversations around things like productivity and utilization, in many ways, these are the basics of a business. It must be profitable. It must be productive. But I think when you're surprising the workforce with some of those messages, that can be daunting or that can be alarming. And so in this kind of sense of change management, thinking cleverly and strategically about how we are going to deliver that message, who is going to deliver that message, how we are going to guide the workforce through is incredibly important because it's not a brand new piece of information that everyone is hearing that, you know, we, we need to make some tweaks to productivity. But having that be delivered in a really calm, in a really thoughtful and strategic way, I think is is key and makes a lot of sense as to why change management has been such a kind of successful um, discipline. Going a little bit deeper into some of these sort of examples that we've touched on, I wonder if you have any tangible examples that you can share with our audience of change management going well, or perhaps even change management going not so well? Absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned before, with the boat analogy, the change doesn't stop at go live. Um, because part of the overall um, reason to do a change is that you want something new sustained. So you need to make sure that you've got the right pieces in place. So um, the project ends, everybody goes live on a, they have a pizza and you're done, right? That's, that's not the case. So uh, when I see it done well, we, we have um, uh, an, a bit of an overlap past whatever the go live is, whether it's an implementation or a new org structure or uh, any of, you know, a new target, any of the things. 
Um, so, so there's a handoff that allows the people in the business who, who, who need to own the change to own the change, and they can carry it forward and continue to be successful. So when, when I've seen this work well, all right, so with the workforce management um, software implementation, um, we uh, really needed to focus on building a movement of people wanting to make this software because the business decisions and the way that we um, uh, at the time uh, opted to take this software in for it was, you know, tens of thousands of people that would be impacted by it ultimately. Um, we didn't do a hard switch where we turned off the old way of doing things. So we needed to give people um, a good reason to embrace the new way of doing things because they already had their way. Of they may not have loved it, but they knew it. And so uh, as we um, began uh, talking with the uh, people who were going to have to use the new software uh, and the people who were going to have to work the schedules that the new software generated, um, and the people who were going to have to plan the activities that those people who had to use the software to write the schedules and then the people who had to work the schedules. So we had to talk to all of the different stakeholder groups. We had to really understand what goes into writing a schedule. So by talking to them, so this is really understanding your stakeholders, we were able to learn from, from their own experiences um, things that they liked about the current state of affairs, things that they didn't like, and um, and use that in our messaging and our training and our coaching opportunities um, because uh, it was their own words. It was things that other people who are running a cash register can understand because that's their daily life too. Um, so I think that uh, aspect of, of stakeholder engagement and and understanding is is so important especially on large-scale projects because it creates a buy-in uh, and it offers a legit a legitimacy to the work that you're, you're not going to get otherwise um, so that's when I've seen it done well I, I see that um, being an output it makes it much easier to embrace the teams where we said oh this team did really well so that means we'll just re repeat that same thing and it's going to be great for this other thing well you know a team that's making salads every day it's going to have a very different need from those who are running a cashier or cash register and so we needed to repeat again and see what would and wouldn't work each time um, in order to make it successful for them so uh, that that's a good story i think that is that is a great story i think that sense of as an employee feeling really listened and feeling that your concerns or the things that you're excited about are repeated back to you by the wider organization or by your management is a really safe environment to feel like you were a part of. Absolutely. On the flip side of that, is there anything that you can share around a change management project or situation that you found went not so well and any of the learnings around that? Yeah, absolutely. The um... Uh, example that um, I walked into in my one of my uh, when I joined a previous company was they were implementing a new supply chain software and they were deciding to grow it from the ground up because the previous one out of the box had been wholly rejected by all of the people who needed to use it. They didn't understand it. They wanted to. They didn't know why. You know, yeah, sure. Theoretically, it's a good idea to have this 
awesome supply chain management software, but why do I don't know how to use it? And then I do know how to use my clipboard and my pen and paper, you know. Uh, and, and while it sounds archaic to say that today, uh, the same philosophy applies when you're switching from one software to another. Um, I know where my buttons are and I know what tricks to use. Um, so, uh, so the company that that hired me had spent all this money for this out of this box stuff. And all it was was a very exp expensive lessons learned because they learned from their constituency what, is it, what isn't going to work for them, period. And so that led the company to make a decision to, to um, uh, do out of the box, I'm sorry, to, uh, to do uh, build from the ground up uh, a supply chain management software and uh, really take efforts to involve the different stakeholders in the co-creation of said software. In my opinion as a change manager, they could have had the same experience with that out of the box thing. You don't need to buy, you don't need to build it from the ground up. A wheel is a really good wheel and you don't have to build your own wheel every time, but you do need to help involve people who need to use that wheel in deciding is it the right size or what have you in order for it to be really embraced. That is fascinating. So this organization <laughs> had kind of a failure, a full-on project failure, and then said, okay, we need to go back to the start because we've had a mutiny, it sounds like, and we need to figure out how we do this right. So go back to basics, get that input from our stakeholders and start again. Wow. Correct. It's really interesting to me as well how often you're referencing times in which in the software, the tech industry, we've had an implementation that we've tried to roll out. We think we've maybe thought through the ways that it's going to go, but it's actually turned out we need to adjust things or we need to reconsider our individuals' workflows or their teams or the ways that they're interacting with each other in different departments um, and how that kind of informs or how that bubbles up to how the company as a whole works. I'd love to think a little bit about kind of advice that our listeners can use and that myself, I personally can use. And, and so I'm <laughs> curious about any advice that you can share with some of the different personas I think that we've touched on already. I'm wondering about what advice you might give for the person who is leading the change, that kind of practitioner spearhead, um, the organization as a whole, um, and the experiencer, I suppose, the, the kind of lowly employee or that end person who is experiencing the change from the, from the top yeah. down. Absolutely. Um, well, one, one uh, really important uh, distinction to make here is that the person leading the change is not necessarily the change practitioner. Um, often it's not and, and shouldn't be really. Behind the curtains, yes, planning, supporting, designing, uh, strategizing, uh, all of, the, you know, writing a communication even to help someone make, stay on message. But, um, but the change manager is often not the person leading. It's often a business leader um, that, um, because they're the ones who can authentically rep represent themselves to the rest of the business as being for the business. And whether the change is exciting or not, still it represents a change and there will be uncertainty. And having someone at the senior leadership level who is going to walk the walk and talk the talk along with the rest of the, the company um, 
gives folks at all different levels um, sort of a role model and a good uh, view of how it can be done and that we're all in it together. And that can be highly motivating for a lot of workforces. Um, so the person leading the change needs to understand the, the significance of the role that they play and remain visible and active throughout the change, not just show up for the pizza party when we go live, but also celebrate when we've hit our 50% utilization mark halfway into the first month or whatever your targets are along the way to 100%. If someone's really doing great at um, coaching their peers, celebrate that because it's going to enrich the experience for, you, for your, your company, your team, and therefore the benefits of the change that you wanted to implement in the first place. So don't underestimate the importance of sticking around and keeping it top of mind. Don't launch and leave. Um, for the practitioner, uh, help others uh, uh, recognize the significance of their role. Be clear about role clarity. Also, remember that power isn't in hierarchies. Like, uh, understand the social influence of one peer to another or um, a, a leader from another department. People in businesses are going to have all kinds of opinions about um, a, a given change, and if you are working in an area where a, uh, a leader is uh, not excited about the change, but one of their peers is, then perhaps you have an opportunity to work with them together to close the gap of someone who's not excited about the change. Um, so, so just be aware of the, the different social hierarchies. Um, and then for the experiencer of the change, um, uh, I think that understanding, and I'm going to really nerd out for just a second here, understanding this ProSci concept of ADCAR. So I'm a ProSci trained um, change practitioner, and um, ADCAR is something, and you can Google it, it's A-D as in David, K-A-R, and it uh, stands for ability, I'm sorry, awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, and reinforcement. And, and it's the, uh, the school of thought that says, Here's how a person goes through change. Um, and if you um, are going through a change, understanding where you are on that spectrum can help you take your own um, actions to move yourself through a change more successfully. We hear a lot of talk about resilience. You know, when we think about uh, individuals as workers or leaders, individuals, we wanna be more resilient in a fast changing time and understanding where you are in a process and what are some of the things you might do about it to, to make that better. Uh, seek coaching, seek knowledge, um, tell somebody uh, you, you don't have the ability, you literally can't log into the system. Just say, oh, it's, I can't log in, you know. Those are the things that you can do to for yourself uh, in, in a change. I really appreciate you bringing up that framework, the ADCAR framework. And I think even thinking about the smallest changes in your personal life, I was sort of applying some of my knowledge or some of my experiences to that. I think personally, I'm, I'm pretty good with change. So I jump awareness, desire, I jump into kind of knowledge and, and trying to be able to as soon as possible. However, I see 
the you know the people around me both professionally and personally they will take some time in that kind of awareness and desire phase and that is i think the i think you've alluded really nicely to the communication so being very transparent and open and honest about here is where i'm i'm struggling with this here is where i need help and i need support in these in these phases um is is really excellent advice You'll hear when talking about individual change a lot, you'll hear uh, health and fitness analogies. You know, I am aware I need to lose weight. I would like to lose weight, so I have desire, right? Uh, I know how to lose weight, move, mass, uh, move more, eat less. I, uh, I uh, have the ability, I'm, you know, I have the room to exercise. I buy my own groceries. I, can, I am able to do those things. Uh, I, I can make the time to do it. Uh, and I get the reinforcement is I'm going to get to wear those skinny jeans again. That's awesome. I'm going to have a healthier lifestyle. I'll have more energy. That's great. Um, but when you come down to the moment of uh, choosing cake today or skinny jeans tomorrow, um, my desire goes very strongly towards that cake today. So desire is not just do I want it, because yeah, obviously I want a healthier lifestyle, but do I want it enough to keep choosing it moment after moment after moment? So that's a commitment level of desire that most people underestimate is required. Even when you take away the old way of doing something in a, in a software or business implementation, the, the idea will be romanticized after the fact by the people who used to do the old thing. And, and they'll have this you know, fond memory of the system they hated and they told you they hated. But because they're struggling now with this new one and they haven't gotten as good at it yet. 100%. I'm sure a lot of listeners are nodding their heads frantically <laughs> <laughs> at these analogies. I'm also thinking about, I think we've spoken about, we're thinking about change in a project by project scenario. I'm curious about your perspective on, I suppose, the the value of fostering more of an environment of change or having that being more culturally accepted and frequent within brands or, or organizations or even small teams. I'm sure we see department by department, some are actually much more agile when it comes to change. I'm curious if you've seen, um, I suppose, the, the culture adjust at an organization to embrace change or whether it still works as more of a project by project discipline. Yeah, it's, it really is both. Um, you'll uh, see in, uh, you know, uh, management, uh, education, leadership training, um, all kinds of things about being a change leader, being being one to to lead through times of change. Um, and uh, that that is um, irrespective of whether or not you're a change manager for the discipline. So um, there is uh, at all in all roles uh, in a business, there is a benefit to understanding some degree of how change management works so that you can um, employ that and, and be even more successful in bringing people along or bringing yourself along as the case may be. Um, I think that the, the main benefit though to um, uh, having a culture of change management on all the little projects um, in, in, like I said, it doesn't have to be the full toolkit. It, it, you need to evaluate each situation for, for what's appropriate. But having a culture where you're applying it on a regular basis means that when the big things that are out of, out of your control happen and they're really disruptive, you're not already 
saturated with all of the little changes. You have a better handle of all of the little changes that are going on in your daily business, your product releases, your hirings and firings, your educational um, thing, your, your you know, everything that, that needs to go on every day that is, if you think about it, micro changes or, you know, smaller changes. Um, so like, much like continuous improvement helps you, helps you get better and, and keep getting better, Having change management in your everyday life means that it's um, when those uh, unexpected events, like a macroeconomic situation, <laughs> impact your business, you're, you're actually, everybody in your business is, is better able to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Is, the, is there anything that you would say then that you can do to get better at accepting change or implementing change management practices? Stay curious and practice. That's great advice. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's great advice. And I'm curious about the world of change management as well, because this is a growing discipline. It's growing in awareness. I'm wondering if there's anything that you see in the world of change management that you vehemently disagree with. You don't understand that. You think it doesn't make sense. You think it's not valuable. Uh, there's nothing that I feel that extremely about um, negatively, but I will say that I um, see a lot of people who think resistance is only negative. You know, oh, people are going to be resistant to my change. They're not going to want it. But resistance um, happens even in good situations. Um, I'll go with another famous analogy. The... Um, Think about at a time when you have something really major that's positive going on in your life. Maybe it's a you're getting married, or maybe you're going off to college, or maybe you're buying a home, or you know any of you having a child. Like these are all really exciting changes, but they're big and they're scary. And even though you want them, part of you is trepidatious because of how much is unknown about what the future holds. So. Uh, knowing that resistance isn't always somebody just outright saying no to something, I think is a really important concept um, for um, for change for for folks dealing with change on a regular basis. Um, change uh, resistance, if you understand what it is, can be a gift to you as the leader of change, um, because then you can do something about it, um, whether it's uh, taking an action or only. Um, listening when someone is voicing uh, concern about the unknown. So there's there's a really wide variety of ways that you can deal with that and knowing what it is is important. That's such a wonderful point because I think often that teams who are embracing of change or who run through it smoothly can be seen as quote unquote good or positive, but they in kind of embracing that change might be missing some of the big roadblocks. And so by, by, you know, being, I suppose, quite calm or accepting of it is not necessarily the, the, the best way to go about that project. Sometimes it's, it's actually really great to get some of those big roadblocks, those big pieces of resistance to address them from the start rather than come across them as the, as the change kind of rolls out. So I think that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense and I think that's a, a really telling analogy. One of my uh, favorite things about proofs of concept and about alpha 
style rollouts and phased rollouts is that you get the opportunity to practice the change management as well so that you have a smaller group of people who are uh, needing to express the change and and you don't start off with only your rock stars you bring in a little bit of everyone because you want to understand what your entire group is going to to experience the change like or at least a reasonable representation of them and uh and having a smaller mvp proof of concept or whatever type uh, or phase one type launches really gives you the opportunity to understand did my messaging land is my training good is do i need to coach people more did we understand truly how how same or different all of our different business processes are and um and it makes it better for the long run for the larger go live yeah love that so a lot of our audience will probably be listening to this podcast and thinking about changes that they're making to perhaps improve their customers' experiences. I'm curious if there is one change management thing that you can recommend to our listeners to do today to improve their customers' experience or their engagement with their customers. I mentioned earlier, I love this question, by the way, I mentioned earlier the concept of ADKAR, A-D-K-A-R. That second A is ability. So when you are introducing a change that will in some way be customer facing, you want the customer to be able to do the new thing. And you want your employees who are customer facing to be able to do their part of the new thing. So I always say align ability with go live, uh, again, another pro sci concept, um, which means that if you were to plot it out on your project chart, you have your go live date. And if you put ability there, then leading up to it is when you need to have gotten through awareness, desire and knowledge so that when day one comes, People have the logins. They've got the. They know where to go when they have questions. They uh, have been trained. They uh, know what to expect. That's going to be different from what they used to do before. So that you've already gotten through the majority of those barriers. Is it going to be bump free? Of course not. But you will have uh, had an opportunity to consider uh, and knock out and preemptively knock out all of those things if you can align ability with go live. And then don't forget that extra R of reinforcement to keep the desired new behavior going. I love that. Ramona, this has been such a great conversation. I have one last question for you. Kind of a tricky one, kind of a personal one. I'd love to understand how you personally cope with change. Are you good (laughs) with it? Have you had to learn to change? How has that journey been for you? I, uh, you know, um, funnily enough, I am not awesome about change. Um, I, I'm okay for, um, making a change in the moment, but, um, but sustaining is the trick for me personally. Um, yeah. So, uh, learning these tools, uh, add car in particular, I will, I will add car myself on a regular basis. Uh, that the cake story versus the skinny jeans comes from the heart. (laughs) I appreciate the candid answer and your self-awareness as well. That's awesome. Ramona, thank you so much for joining us today. I have loved this conversation and I'm sure that our listeners will have learned a ton from your experience and your perspective and your points of view. 
You've been sharing your change management expertise in other avenues, of course, as well, which I wanted to flag here as well. If anyone wants to learn more or mull over some of your thoughts, check out the interview with Ramona on our Chorus Atlas community. It's in an article entitled An Interview for Change, Chorus Expert Opinion on Change Management. Please also feel free to to start a discussion there and ask a question. Um, Ramona's Atlas username is at Ramona M. Ramona, any last thoughts for our listeners today? No last thoughts. I really appreciate this. Um, What a great uh, podcast series uh, this is. I learn something every time I join and thank you uh, for for the contributions that you make to uh, this on a regular basis. And thanks for having me. Thank you, Ramona. And thank you also to everyone listening in for tuning in to the Titans of Customer Engagement today. Look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. Thanks for spending time with us today on Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave us a review, and spread the word. Your feedback means a lot to us. Continue the conversation on Koros Atlas at community.koros.com. Until next time. The CX world is now digital first. It's what customers expect and Koros can help. Koros is an award-winning customer engagement platform built to turn those siloed interactions with your customer into enterprise value. You can harness the power of human connection across the customer experience from outbound marketing, social, messaging, chat, and SMS to owned and digital communities. Customer engagement means staying always connected. Find out how customer-first software and services can make you a titan of customer engagement at koros.com.